welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. It's playoff time. That can only mean one thing on the Yak Sports Podcast. We're about to get a lot smarter because we're bringing on Matt Hatfield to talk about the high school playoffs that are on our way. Let's start with uh, Class 1. Uh, just start at the bottom and work our way up because um, that will also help us uh, talk about all our schools that are in the playoffs going that way. So, Class 1. Uh, who do you look at as some of the favorites in class one this season now that we're into the playoffs? You know, it's funny, guys, and great to be back on with you again. Uh, I've labeled since the start of the season the favorite to win the class one title now that Riverhead's off its seven straight state titles moved up to class yeah. two as Honeaker to be the team to beat because I felt like they returned a whole lot of their offense with Peyton Music at quarterback and a host of weapons that can catch, run the ball, skill players. Uh, and they really are ready for this moment. Now, their path is a very tricky one. If I was to label all the first-round 1-8 games, I think the two hardest one-seeds against eight-seeds in the state, regardless of classification, are Honeaker against Rural Retreat in Region 1-D and Patrick Henry Roanoke against William Fleming in 5-D because there's a familiarity factor, and both of those teams I just outlined trailed in the fourth quarter against those eight-seeds that are not your typical eight-seeds. And you come across these matchups from time to time, a one versus an eight, a two versus a seven last year, and 6-B, Colonial Forge is a seven, knocked off an undefeated battlefield that was a two-seed and off a state semifinal appearance the year before. But if you look at Honeaker's path, guys, they could potentially have to go through rural retreat where they beat by six, they could have to then go through Patrick Henry Glade Spring, where they beat by eight. And then potentially they could run into uh, in the regional final. And they could very well see Rye Cove, who's won seven straight games. And they only beat them by eight on September the 8th, 40 to 32. And then, by the way, if you get through all that, there is the possibility, maybe not probability, but possibility that you'll see Narrows in the state semis and they won a basketball and grass game with them 74 to 51. So it's a tough path for a team that is <laughs> leading the state and scoring in class one right now at close to 50 points per game. But there are a lot of candidates I would look at as very viable uh, options to win it. Grayson County rebounded from a loss to George Wythe by beating Gillex pretty soundly. George Wythe got to the state championship last year, despite losing a lot of pieces. They got Tandem Smith at quarterback, who was an all-state performer. I like Narrows even more if they had Carson Krieger, an all-state receiver to go through, do it all multi-sport stud and Collier Pruitt. So that, that one C region is maybe the most competitive. I can make a case out of the 24 regions, 1C has four teams that could go play in the state championship. I'm not sure I can do that with any other region in the state. Uh, I like Essex and Sussex Central and in, in the state semis and in, in the eastern side of it, the 1A and 1B. Uh, ultimately, Sussex Central, to me, has as much talent, but there's a little bit of a mental psychological edge that Essex has owned over them in recent years. Uh, this Essex team is amazing because their starting quarterback was a center to begin uh, the year. I mean, that's what he was basically last year. So I'm just baffled at that point. It's a very up for grabs, but I would tell you, Honeaker's my pick. But if I had mm-hmm. to pick Honeaker, the field, I'm taking the field because there's about six or seven teams that have a real good shot to win it. And there could be some real competitive games because there's a lot of teams that I didn't even highlight that that will make some noise out of this, like Twin Springs, like uh, Lancaster's gotten better. West Point brought back a lot of starters. So there's some teams that – in the first, second round, don't be stunned if you see some 40, 50 point efforts and some teams that can make some noise across the board. Before right, we so leave, class two. hold on, right, before right. we go to class two, um, before we leave one class one, I wanted to ask, you know, mm-hmm. are, are folks in right. the area know Buffalo Gap's getting ready to play Brunswick? What is something uh, that, you know, as a lot of fans in this area probably don't know a ton about Brunswick, what can they expect from the Bulldogs? You know, Brunswick's a team that they lost a game middle of the season 
think it was in overtime or double OT to central Lundenberg. And I actually had a conversation with the central Lundenberg coach that um, their athleticism is pretty sneaky. They, they can do a lot of good things. I don't feel like Brunswick is going to have as decisive an edge as maybe people would think in, in that spot. As far as that particular head to head matchup, their, their game with Alta Vista in the semi in the semifinals could be very tricky. Um, I just like the way Sussex in that region is mm-hmm. going to be able to run the ball and do some things as far as execution-wise, line of scrimmage. Uh, defensively, Brunswick's a little leaky. And I think that could that could give Buffalo Gap some hope that they could hit some big plays on them. Now, a matter of sustaining it, winning that type of game is a different story. And they've had a one and nine year, not been a not been a real fascinating year for them. But uh, that one B region, I, you know, Sussex is the team to beat. There's some squads that feel like they can hang with them. Uh, William Campbell moves the ball. Ultimately, though, I don't know if enough defensive personnel for those two through eight seeds is there to keep Sussex from being able to run the ball and and wearing teams down in in the fourth quarter. All right, now moving to class two, and and I want to talk about it all, but maybe, you know, I want to hear your thoughts a little more direct on Region B as we hit it, uh, because that's where most of our local teams uh, reside. But what's your look there at class two? Well, you know, I feel like uh, sort of like I just said with one, the, the C and D teams are the favorites. I feel like that's the case for for class two. We've kind of fought from day one. Graham would be the team. They brought back a good chunk of their team led by Tigers Clements, the state player of the year running back. It was getting healthier now. Uh, they did lose a game early in the season to Union. They weren't at full strength, but Union's a, a known commodity. I mean, they have an NFL guy in James Mitchell, by the way, not that long removed. And they're consistently a 9, 10, 11 win team. And then you got Radford in 2C, who was really burst on the scene this year behind Landon Clark, recently made a commitment to Elon. He put up sick numbers at quarterback last year. He plays defensive back. And when they handled Glenver middle of the season, that opened some eyes because Glenver's a pretty strong team, and they just blew him out. And Glenver had beaten them the last few times on the last possession, the last series of games. So you look at 2B. 2B is a really tough region. Central Woodstock won that, as you guys know, that tough, hard-fought opener with Riverheads to begin the year. Uh, Strasburg is no slouch here. They've had a couple results late in the season that make people say, all right, they're, they're legitimate here. Buckingham at nine and one. It's funny to say a three seed could be viewed as an underdog against a six seed, but Clark County's got playoff experience and they have line of scrimmage play. Their offensive line's good. They run the ball. Well, wouldn't be surprised if Clark County is the second round opponent for Riverheads. And then here's the other thing, guys. I don't know if you, if you all know this, maybe you do. You know what Riverheads record is against Madison County all time. 0 and 17. I've been I've been yelling Jingo. about it. 0 <laughs> and 17. So yes. I mean, Them but nobody, 98 though. <laughs> right. It was all 82 and 98. Exactly. It was it was way before these kids were born. But I've never and I actually had my my reporter on Virginia Preps used to write for the Times, Robert Anderson, text me that. And I thought, like, this is a misprint. This isn't real. But it's real. It's real. <laughs> yeah, it's real. So the people yeah, Riverheads yeah. talk about it. I mean, I'm a Riverheads guy, and there's like there's two different seven to six finals from the eighties that people still talk about. There was sure. a kid apparently in an arm cast that still played in the game and he just used it as a stiff arm. And they were just happy he didn't have both arms in a cast. And I think that was the, maybe the last time they played. Like there's all these legendary stories because of what Eddie Dean did there. And you know, they had won three state championships. That's what Riverheads was. I mean, they don't know. I don't even know if Riverheads knew they could be something like that at that yeah. point. But yeah, that was a huge rivalry that Riverheads never got a piece of. But of the 60 to 70 first round matchups we have in a state, you probably won't find a series where it's 17 nothing. And it's no. the lower seed that's no. won those over the yeah. higher seed, who, by the way, has this history of state championships, the longest in VHSL history. I, I push comes to shove, guys. I can make all these great cases for why Clark County. And so, 
we're looking at a Central Woodstock Riverheads rematch, I think, and that, that and the feeling is going to be: is the game going to come down like it did? And you know, the best player on the field, you feel like it's Caden Cook Cash, who's just got this recent UVA offer. Now Lopez on defense for Central Woodstock is a beast, and there yes, are yes. some guys that you have to pay attention to. But you almost feel like when you get these rematches that we talked about way back in August that that we saw could happen. There's that extra sense of purpose, motivation, proving for the team that lost it close. And it, it reminds me of some games where we've had in recent years where a team got the revenge factor. So if I'm Riverheads, I feel very good about, you know, that possibility of seeing them. And and quite honestly, the 1A game for Central Woodstock, if, if you tell them back in August you're going to get Stewart's draft in the first round, they don't sit there and, you know, say, oh, that's a piece of cake. Because Stewart's draft's got a history of competing pretty well lately. Another 5-5 five and five this year have had some growing pains. But, um you know, I, I think Riverheads has to like their opportunity. Uh, and, you know, if you get to the state championship this year in your first season in class two and you, you play a Radford, a Union, or a Graham, you know, you got to buckle up the chin strap because th- these guys know how to perform on the big stage and they're not going to be afraid having played some bigger schools lately in, here in recent years, Christiansburg, Lord Botetot. So uh, there's a lot of fascinating storylines in class two. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on my pick to win it. I thought it was going to be Graham. The more I study it, I, I do feel like Radford's kind of on a mission th- this year. So I, I feel like, you know, if I'm ranking best to win it, I go probably Radford one, Graham two. I might put Riverheads three leaping ahead of Central Woodstock, believe it or not. If you had to pick one team out of Region A for the Region B winner to face, who's that team? It's a great question. Um, I was going to say Pocosin, who played Lafayette great last Friday. They were down 14-0. I'm sorry, up 14-0. Lafayette came back and won on a field goal, but just got word that uh, their lineman who went down, Grady Inslee, is a two-way contributor, ACL. Big loss for them. He transferred in in the offseason from Ocean Lakes. I think they're very vulnerable in the second round to King William, who's 5-5, a couple years removed from a state championship. King William played the toughest schedule, in my opinion, bar none of any Class 2 team. They played a lot of tough games, I think three or four games against higher classifications. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, sort of like I did when I picked in the preseason. Magna Vista is my number one team in Class 3. I had a couple of people write me and tell me I was a fool, an idiot, and a weasel. (laughs) Not quite a weasel. I made that part exaggerated. But I'll say King William as the four seed. Okay. He's going to win that region. That's my that's my bold pick over Pocosin. That's the one I'm taking. That's not a one, two, or three. If you give me a four lower seed in any state, any division, any region, I'm going to go King William. So, looking at Class Three, uh, this is you know an interesting region. Uh, our teams that were in three seed didn't make it. Uh, they had a little Stanton great defense offense, just couldn't match, and Wilson never really put it together, but. You know, in terms of 3C, I, folks in our area, maybe not the Augusta County, Waynesboro, Stanton area, but TA and Spotswood, who, you know, upset TA in a crazy finish there for the Valley District. Those two teams, obviously, uh, I think Leland and I are still a little worried about when they have potential matchups with those teams from Lynchburg. What is your take? Uh, yes, I, I would be worried. Now, they play the game of the night, I thought, Friday. That, mm-hmm. that game was a classic game. Fourth and goal, overtime, TD pass. I'm actually the guy that took Turner Ashby and Spotswood got him, so I looked like a fool on that with, with our Same. VIP picks well, we had on Virginia Press. Did you say TA but, by 28 because someone on what, air did? did. <laughs> oh, you had 28? Ooh. No, I wouldn't have gone that far. You should have consulted me on that one. Um, no, look. I, 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 hey, I, in the booth, we were reading his picks from afar, and in the booth, when we said 28, we're like, 
Ooh, the 28. Well, well, listen, I I will give you this. Turner Ashby's offense had not been slowed down. They were putting up over 50 a game. Now, Spotswood's defense was giving up less than 10 a game. And I had it 27-20, Turner Ashby. So I thought it would be a one-score game. Mm -hmm. Could go either way. Spotswood had won five straight. Turner Ashby had won four in a row. Now they're going to try to get a streak here. And they might see each other getting a second round. But I'd caution, look who's lurking as the seventh seed. A team that played in the state championship last year in Heritage of Lynchburg. And Brad Brad Bradley's teams, they you bloody their nose, they bloody yours back. They do not care. They're physical. Uh, that is a dangerous six and four seven seed for Turner Ashby. Um, and and I wouldn't even rule out if they won that game getting to the region final. Now Liberty Christian, as long as Gideon Davidson is healthy, which is he's got to stay healthy, they're the team to win this whole thing in Class Three, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, even over your three A, your three B, and my once pick in Magna Vista. Now they're not deep. So if you lose someone of his ilk, we saw it a couple years ago in Tidewater with Lake Tittle when Javon Harvey went down, the wide receivers now at Old Dominion, or Malik Newton, who was their workhorse running back, goes down. It compromises some things you can do offensively and, and going into – but, you know, you have Eastern where on the lines, a Clemson commit. They had about, you know, 12, 13 sacks coming in. They've gone through that Seminole district. I feel like it's their time. And, you know, people love juicy storylines. So how about the first private school to win a public school state championship in high school football? And it's, it seems like we're we're on the verge of that happening this year, even though some people may that, not embrace it too much. That would not be a storyline I love would be yeah. how I would phrase that. <laughs> well, but it, it, it seems, guys, like it's it's going to happen unless Magna Vista can slow them down or somebody on these. Now, I'll tell you this. Keep an eye on Brentsville District. They've been knocking mm-hmm. on the door, had a big win over Kettle Run. Phoebus is out of their way, and they brought back a lot of guys from their state semifinals teams the last two years, including Langston White at linebacker, William and Mary Committee, who's the coach, Lauren White's son. A lot of offensive experience that can move the ball in various ways. So they're a team I'm circling. If they get out of that region with Kettle Run, Thomas Jefferson of Richmond, that region's been snickered at the last couple of years. I actually believe that region will beat the Region A team in the state semis and make it to the state finals for the first time in this realignment setup we've had. All right. Region four, obviously we're out of local teams to uh, draw you into, but what's uh, you sticking with preseason recommendations for class four or are you uh, finding somebody new? Well, it's funny. I was just telling someone over the weekend, I feel like there are five teams that can win the class four state championship. I feel like Phoebus, who's won the last two class three state championships, understandably so their defense gave up what 10 points all of this year. Yeah. Uh, three teams out of Region B, which is Dinwiddie, which won the state championship last year, has a dynamic quarterback in Harry Dalton. Verina, who's just a few seasons removed from the state championship, they've had some hard-fought games with Indian River, Freedom, and Highland Springs. They lost two of those to Freedom and Highland Springs with Indian River. And uh, those, then you got King George, who's unbeaten with two flashy receivers, Makai White and Chance Wiggins, who are committed to uh, Maryland and Virginia Tech, respectively. And then you've got Salem out west. Um I had it preseason one, Phoebus, two, Dinwiddie, three, Salem. Uh, I've got it currently right now, Phoebus, one. I believe Salem's two. King George might be three. Uh, I'm actually, if you give me one pick, I'm I'm going with Salem right now. And the reason is I think wow. they're the sh- surest thing to make it to the state championship. That's nothing against Region 4C where you have an undefeated Tuscarora with a lineman who's going to an SEC school in Fletcher Westfall or John Champ, which has – the ability to score 50 points. They also gave 50 points to broad run a few weeks ago, late in the year, like what they've done this year. But I feel like it's going to be hard to deny them a getting there with Peyton Lewis and Chris Cole, two all Americans that are going to 
SEC schools in Tennessee and Georgia, respectively. Jefferson Forest has had a great year, just lost to LCA. They've been a surprise story. EC Glass is no newbie on the block. But I like their ability to get there. And you say, what about Phoebus? They're going to win 4A in, in, a, in a breeze. Well, War Hill's undefeated. I think they get by them. But Phoebus's defense is so great. Their offense has been a little bit hit or miss this year. So I feel like if they get down multiple scores to a Dinwiddie, a King Georgia, Verona in the state semis, they could get beat. Now, my issue with the three teams in 4B is it's coin flips. So King Georgia, nobody got to play each other. And the winner's probably got to get Verona. That region's hard to get out of. So I can make a case for any of those teams to win the state championship. I just feel like Salem, you're building towards this. This is their time. It's not a confident, confident pick. Their offensive line does concern me a bit. But I think they have enough ways and pieces to mask that a little bit. And they're kind of my pick right now. Uh, and I'd be curious to see who they would draw if they get there in the state final, whether it's Phoebus, King George, Verina, or, or Dinwiddie, as those are the four most likely candidates. So, Matt, I want to make you make sure you're aware. I look at Region C here in Class 4 where they have six teams going to the uh, playoffs. That mm-hmm. is Joe's preferred way that the region handle these things. What's your thoughts when Joe's trying to you know, take these seven and eight seeds away from everybody? I would generally agree with him because I was a big proponent of it as well. Like we have the NFL format, give the one and two buys. And yeah. I don't want to hear the rest versus rust factor. This isn't major league baseball with the playoffs. And we all enjoyed my Arizona Diamondbacks getting to the fall classic. So enough of that. If you're a Braves, Dodgers or <laughs> Orioles, fan. sorry. We didn't Again, I don't know if we'd outcome. all say we enjoy that. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't enjoy the outcome. <laughs> we didn't enjoy the outcome of the fall classic. Now we enjoyed the Diamondbacks getting there. Nonetheless, we move forward. We don't need one and nine zero and ten teams in the playoffs. Sorry, yes. Cumberland. Sorry, Jamestown. We don't need that. Now, exactly. I didn't like the four teams because there was a lot of years where teams that went eight and two, nine and one. I went to Kempsville when they went yeah. eight and two, and I watched those kids lose a, a hat out of a draw with three teams going eight and two, and I thought that was the silliest thing ever. We don't need those teams missing the playoffs. Six feels like the right number. I would tell you this. I think it could be tweaked to depending on how many schools are in your region. So, for example, like 4A's got nine schools. You don't need to take eight teams, especially when your last seed's between right. one and nine, Jamestown, Owen, and Owen. Now, if you've got a region, if you've got a region that's got 18 to 20 schools and your sixth seed is about seven and three, I can live with it. I'd rather have eight than four. But the perfect world, I think, shows right on the money. I think six is the best number. I think there should be like a qualifying number. Like you have to have at least four wins. Yeah, five hundred. I think five hundred. Like yeah, somewhere in there, there should just be like a qualifying number. Like and and if you're gonna start the season saying we're taking eight, there should be a qualifier. I I think that's how you can. I know that's a moving target, but come on. Yeah, listen, two things. Number one, the VHS leaves it up to the regions as opposed to just overpowering and make a decision. And number two, not to channel my inner Mike Leach of the late great former football coach at Texas Tech, Washington Washington State and Mississippi State, but it's like he was telling when he was giving wedding advice, well, do you want the blue napkins or the red napkins? Well, AD's getting the meetings and they say, do you want ham and cheese or peanut butter and jelly? They can't agree on anything. So if you try to get them in a meeting, they agree on that. It's not going to happen. And they're just going to know what time we're going to lunch. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, that, that's the best the hang up with it and problem, I believe. But six feels like it's the best way to go. And hopefully that will be discussed in the future because what, what the takeaway is going to be from the first round, you guys know this is coming because somebody's going to add up if I won't be able to do it. Cause I'll be in Muncie and Fayetteville with college basketball and I'll have some, I won't have time on my hands to do this, but somebody will come up with the average margin of victory for first round games. It's going to be 32.9 points or 41.6 points per game. And they're going to say, why are we having these one, eight games? And that'll be 
as it continues to get pushed for three or four years now, more acceleration may come from it. Although we want everybody to eat from the table and everybody have a chance to get in the trophy. So now that we in that. Yeah. Not when you win one game, not when you win one game, we don't. That's so, what the overwhelming majority tells us, even though we're the majority on this particular podcast. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't need to see San Jose at the college level. I don't need to see Cumberland down here at, uh, at one B. So, Hey, listen, I was, I was all in favor of having air force get a chance to eat at the table until they Uh-oh. got smoked by army. So, yep. you know, well, it's a good thing they won't let JMU in. It would be embarrassing for their shame of a playoff when we upset Georgia. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Highland Springs is not in Class 5 anymore, so we won't have a repeat champion in Class 5. Who do you like there? Uh, have you guys been following what the Maury Commodores are doing? <laughs> not there's as closely this, as you. Listen, listen, there's a guy. His name is Daryl Holly. He's the Maury superfan of superfans. And first of all, he puts the hexes on people, but he's been telling everybody to go back because you're not getting us. And he's, he's been right this year. This team is averaging almost 62 points per game in their Eastern district games. Now, by the way, we, first off, before they played Eastern district games, they beat wise out of Maryland, Highland Springs and Dinwiddie, all state championship game participants or state championship game winners. So they played a tough schedule to get prepared. Then they had the easy schedule playing Lake Taylor, beat them 74, 19 in their seven district games. They won by an average of 74 to 4, 70 points per game. They have 14 Division I players on the roster. Yikes. Uh, they do have a, a lot of new faces on the roster after making the last two state championship games falling to Highland Springs and Stonebridge. But if they win this thing and do it in the dominant fashion they appear they could do it on, they will be talked about historically among the top five to 10 teams in the last 25 years in VHSL football because they've been that good. And the middle part of their defense is very intimidating when you have potentially three power five SEC level players, one of which is committed to South Carolina. The other two are coming back the next couple of years. So they're going to be around for a while. I think they've been knocking on this door. I have a hard time saying anybody else beat them, though there are a lot of good teams like Green Run, who's undefeated, got a lot of firepower. Stonebridge, who's been in state championship games, six and four record because they played a very, very hard schedule. It just feels like on paper and what they've done to produce to this point, Maury is just head and shoulders above everybody. And and they might be the best team in the state regardless of class this year. Uh, it's going to take someone playing an A or better game and Maury playing below a B level, B grade to beat them, in my opinion. Yeah. In class six, Freedom won it last year. Are we looking at Freedom going deep again? They're a one seed down there, or, or are we looking at somebody else? Well, I think with Highland Springs being in Class 6 with Freedom, you have to pay attention to them. Now, Highland Springs hasn't been getting style points. There's a lot of teams that are going for style points this time of the year. It's not like the BCS, you get extra points for rankings. That's one thing. That would spawn another discussion, I'm sure. But they win in different ways as far as run the ball, defense, special teams. Their quarterback who's committed to Maryland, Christian Martin, is a dual threat. And they've won a close game with Verona here late in the year. I feel like Freedom has the speed. I'm curious to see if anybody can neutralize them and make them play a mucky, ugly, run-the-ball, slower-paced game. Now, Battlefield a couple of years ago got them in a regional playoff game on their way to the state semis and then got handled by Oscar Smith. Uh, Highland Springs' region is hard because you've got undefeated Thomas Dale, who's got a backup quarterback, but Ethan Medley has played well for the injured UVA commit and Ethan Mentor. And Manchester took Highland Springs to the wire early in the season. They're 9-1 as a very live 
three seed. If you put them in region six C or six D, you can make a case they win that region. Six um, C and six D is fascinating because there's not a true dominant team. Madison's been good. They beat Stonebridge over the year. South Lakes is 10 and 0. Had a couple close calls with Westfield and Madison that they won. You know, do they win them again? It's hard to say. South County's been in state championship games. Jerry Pannoni's won a state championship. Um, I like them to win that Occoquan region 6C. But um, I think people were glad that they decided to allow Class 6 the opportunity to reseed, essentially, or not to reseed, cross bracket the state semifinal round so you can get that dream matchup of Highland Springs and Freedom, which to me, if it does happen, would be the best state championship game we'll have. Uh, I give Freedom a slight, ever, slight edge over Highland Springs. I just don't discount the big game experience that Highland Springs has. And I, I feel like, you know, Freedom hasn't been in close games. So there's something to be said for, and that, that's something that could work in the favor of a team playing a Maury, by the way. Maury hasn't been in close games, although you look back at it and it's a little deceiving. They have been because they played early games with Wise, which was tied at the half. They were down against Dimity at the half before kind of rolling by them in the second half. So you wonder how teams like Freedom and Maury react to being in a pressurized tight spot because they've been winning by these lopsided margins. So I give Freedom the nod over Highland Springs, but wouldn't be surprised if they have to have a really tough battle to win the whole thing as opposed to last year where they just won every game by double digits and basically yawned through the thing. Well, I mean, we've already gotten your answer for best team classification, maybe being Maury. Um, obviously, this is usually the part of the podcast where we ask you when you're not following all these high school football games, what are you doing? But you already touched on it. It's basketball season now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and be still, because we still have the writer strike. I haven't got to watch my law and order, which I'm still very upset about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as upset about that as I am. My diamondbacks falling to the Rangers in the world series, although congrats to Texas job. Well done for Bruce Bochy, who by the way, is the same guy from major league that said, give me the old eater, Ricky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's the same guy. Same Lou. guy. He's old. Um, Lou. You know, I've been watching uh, basketball has started the overlap as you know, Joe, which is a very, uh, challenging, stressful time of year for us that, that call some of these games, although it's a fun time of year. That's what we signed up for, right? Um, and and it, it is, you know, you've got so much to follow as far as the, the pro college, the high school ranks of it, and uh, it comes at you fast and furious. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens because I'm working on my brackets, not just the high school football playoff brackets. I'm working on my college basketball bracket for next year. Uh, I got a repeat in, in that thing that I think, didn't I? I, I took that last year in, in y'all's contest, right, didn't I? I think, I? I think I think he sounds won. right. <laughs> I think he won. I'm still waiting for my prize or my WWE championship belt. Your prize is coming on this glorious yeah. podcast. That's I thought prize. I could get a belt. I thought y'all would just mail me a belt that I have to mail back by April and I could just hold it up <laughs> and parade around the house and take pictures and videos and say, why is this whack job you know, running around with a WWE championship belt like he's the macho man Randy Savage or something? But I love the idea. No. We'll work yeah, on I that. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, it's it's if if you can't get a cash prize out of it or something, that would be the next best option. But it no, may be made out of uh, it may be made out of twelve pack Mountain Dew cardboard, but that's okay. We can send that's you a okay. championship belt. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's uh, it's it is a fun time of year, and as you know, this Joe and Leland, there's so much with college basketball. We talk about player movement at every level, pro, college, and even high school sometimes. But it's just you look at these rosters and there's constant there's like nine ten newcomers on every team. It's hard. I, I imagine if, if it's uh, if it's tough for us as broadcasters, how do these fans keep up with it? Because you need like a transactions page. You really do. Yeah, it's just so much 
turnover. Um, but as you're talking about college basketball, and I am listening, I promise to our audience. Um, but I, I am kind of on the corner of my screen. I can catch the edge of my TV uh, and in my periphery of the JMU Michigan State game, which is going very well for JMU. I don't know if they're going to win, but we're at we're in East Lansing, number four Michigan State, who you told us before we came on is your sneaky pick to win it all and we're here we're here battling look now we have we're only we're not even halfway through the second half and almost our entire team is fouled out it looks like we got two players with four and three with three fouls so that's not great but (laughs) we might not have enough players to make it to the end of the game well, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but and I would have told you LSU is going to repeat in the women. They lost to Colorado 92-78. That was wild. That was wild. I was watching, and I brought this up uh, to my podcast partner on uh, our 757 Saturday Sports Talk show, Coach Ed Young, who coaches basketball at Nansman River. We brought up to him and said, Sports Center did a thing about all the talent in the women's game with Caitlin Clark at Iowa and Angel Reese at LSU. It feels like even though they have turnover in the women's game, like the men's game, you know the name players in women's college basketball. They're almost getting marketed to a point where it's like they're almost mini NBA or WNBA mm-hmm. players. You don't get that in men's college basketball, which is a little bit odd to me. You don't know. If you if you ask a, a, a basketball person on the street, I bet you they can name – they know who Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark is. You can't tell me right now who the best player in college basketball is because the Victor Wimbanyamas aren't playing college basketball. They're going straight to the NBA and playing for the Spurs. That's – I think there's a little bit of the – you don't have as many of the – now, you had Zion Williamson a few years ago with Duke, but you're not seeing as many of these unbelievable freshmen make that mark or the, the faces getting the attention that some of the women's players are. So it's it's a little bit of a change in turnover in that regard because there have been some great women's players in the past like Tarasi and Candace Parker and Sue Bird, but it feels like there's, there's more star power on the ladies' side than the men's side. I, I, mean, I, I think part of that is – Part of that is the, the yeah the part of that is the men's players are one and done when they do go to college and so you're not going to pump up the guy who's already gone, um, but and, and women they they are returning and I think part of NIL has helped keep some of these elite women's players uh, they're they're able to stay in college I mean I think some of them I think Angela Reese said she's going to make more in NIL than she will on a rookie WNBA deal so why would she leave early um, which well it's true. Yeah. But look, look, we've got one from Virginia that played at Trinity Episcopal and Armando Baycott, who's at North Carolina. Yeah. And he's been around for he's been around as long as I've been doing Virginia Preps. Well, not quite. He's been around a long time. <laughs> and they're struggling with Radford. They're struggling with Radford. I and, noticed and not, that. Not, Radford. not great. So, I mean, yeah. But he's been around. But the thing is, if you're not a pro prospect, you stay, you get NIL. Mm-hmm. And, and but in the women's game, they're staying and they're just they're flourishing. It's 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 an interesting, weird thing right now. I'm curious to see how long this be, you know, is the norm, if there's any tweaks to it, whether it be with NIL or just how teams are constructed. And and you feel like the women's game, the coaching is more stable in the sense that you still have Oriyama and Dawn Staley and now Kim Mulk at LSU. The men's coaches, a lot of these guys are gone. Shashetsky's gone. Roy Williams is gone. Tom Izzo's near the end. Jay Wright bolted from Villanova. You have a lot of those coaches. It's it's a changing of guard. Like outside of maybe Bill Self at Kansas, who are you picking that's an active men's coach that, that you say, oh, he's winning 600-plus games, 1,000 games, hands-down hands Hall of Famer. I mean, we saw George Mason. Jim Laranega was there. Now he's at Miami. He's one of the few that's adapted to the new ways because he's done at Miami where they're just able to get those superstar players with their 
people that are connected. So it's it's different now for some of the veteran coaches adapting to the ways of men's college hoops, which I'm I'm fascinated by as well. Yeah, and you know I think that another interesting aspect of that is when you look at, I was getting ready to say, you know, it's also created NILs help create parity in women's basketball. But as when I get ready to say that you look at these scores, I mean, you mentioned the Colorado upsetting LSU score and you're like, Oh, parody Colorado housed them. Like that was, that was a blowout. And a lot of these marquee matchups, they're lopsided scores. So you're like, uh, okay. Like Dawn Staley, yikes. That, that Notre Dame, South Carolina game in Paris was a blowout. And that was like a marquee matchup. Mm-hmm. And, and you wonder about this Virginia Tech game. I mean, Virginia Tech's getting ready to play Iowa soon. That's a big marquee matchup. We almost saw that in the NCAA tournament, um, potentially. And now we're going to get to see it in, in a big, hyped, regular season matchup. I, I am curious to see if the Hokies and Iowa play a close game or if it's kind of like what we're seeing in some of these other marquee women's games where maybe it's not the team you thought, but someone's getting blown out. The one thing I want to see, man, I don't know if Joe, you or Leland would prefer this too. I remember when they did the marathon, the midnight marathon started yes. in 24 hours. I want that to come back for college basketball. I don't care if they're playing on a, on a spaceship or an aircraft or they're playing in yeah. North Dakota or Virginia Beach or Harrisonburg or name the place. I don't care. Laramie, Wyoming, Muncie, Indiana, or Fayetteville, Arkansas, like I'll be at in a few days. But give me the 24 hours of hoops. I like that because it does get a little bit uh, – goes under the radar compared to, you know – Pro football, which has got a Monday night game with the Chargers and Jets. And it does get you, unless you're a fan of looking for it, you, you forget about, oh, yeah, basketball started up. So i like to see them get their little day or two to its limelight on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Give them the 24, 48-hour marathon let them go from there. I agree. Like that. That's that's how I became, you know, a closet Ohio Bobcats fan is we were sitting down watching 24 hours of basketball, and it was like an 8 a.m. game. And the student section is there going nuts. And I was like, dude, these guys are awesome. And so I've just, and that was years ago, like when I was in high school. And so I just was like, yeah, I'm going to be an Ohio Bobcats fan. And so I root for them in everything now. And uh, yeah, it's cool. Got to see them play at a JMU. Uh, when I was at JMU, they played in some Christmas tournament. Uh, their women's team I, at the time tied the record for most three-pointers in a game, even though they were shooting something heinous, like 20% from three for the season coming in. I mean, it was, it was bizarre. And of course, because... The only Ohio Bobcats fan, though, I got to tell you, because yeah. we have two esteemed writers in our state that, that are Ohio proud grads. We've got uh, Larry Rabama from the Virginian Pilot, who went to Ohio U, and a longtime Daily Press reporter who does some uh, help from time to time for us at Virginia Preps. Uh, the great Lynn Burke, who I'm campaigning to get in the Hall of Fame, VHS Hall of Fame, some type of Hall of Fame, seems a historian for us. He's an Ohio Pratt. So there's some proud Ohio Bobcats. We have, I said this before, I think, on your pod. We have more people that come to Virginia from Ohio and Pennsylvania, mainly coaches. And the only thing I can ever figure, because I asked them this, is because it's so cold in those places. They got to come here to be where it's warmer. Yeah. I dig it. Well, we wish you luck in your, uh, <laughs> I don't know, marathon of covering high school football, women's basketball and men's basketball all at the same time. That's going to be insane. Um, I will feel your pain. I'll be doing high school football, men's soccer and women's basketball here for the next week or so. Listen, I appreciate that guys. I just got done doing some ODU field hockey and soccer. 
I still am doing some field hockey stuff for the sportsplex. And when I get off a plane from Arkansas, I'll go race over to a women's game on a Tuesday, and then a field hockey all-star game on a Wednesday, and then I'll go take a nap on Thursday. There you go. go. Man, Thursday is I mean, going to be I the did, best. <laughs> I did PA for a JV championship game tonight. So, I, yeah, I understand, you know, getting off a plane. Or, or actually, I drove 12 minutes. That was my thing. And, and Leland, <laughs> before, before I do the Friday second-round game of high school football action, I'm going to pop up on USA, that Law & Order Marathon, to get myself there you juiced go. up. There you get go. energy going. Because I can't watch the newbies. i got to watch reruns at this point. Yeah. There's so many of them. Some of them have to feel like new, you know? <laughs> Yes, this is true. But my favorite line, I'll leave you on this note because I, you know, my Diamondbacks lost in the World Series. So I was sad about that. I got a hat. I'd show you where it is. I don't know where it is in my in my messy home office man cave room right now. I would wear it for, for you, let, you know, and send it to all your loyal viewers, listeners, uh, podcast folks. But I didn't want them to lose to the Phillies and Dodgers because and I don't want to offend people here. The Dodgers, I call them the new evil empire. They're like the Yankees. They, they go buy players. I just don't like sure. it. So beating yeah. them was great. The Phillies, listen, Philadelphia sports fans are fanatical, but they boot Santa Claus and they are obnoxious. And I made some coaches mad when I said on Instagram that they're they're not they're obnoxious. And honest to goodness, my brother had a line that I would never write, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We we're talking about, you know, just Bryce Harper gets under my skin, Kyle Schwarb, some of these guys get he says, listen, he says the Phillies got three players on their team. He said this, and I, I'm telling you, I wish I'd come up with this. He actually was originally says, they got three players on their team at least that you'd find as the guy that gets thrown in jail at the end of Law & Order episodes. And I was gone. <laughs> I was gone. I was gone. I said, you know what? You're right. Down with those clothes. And we were down pretty two at that point, and everything turned right then. That was the turning point. Right I agree. Love it. I mean, one – you're not going to say anything that Philly fans haven't heard on this podcast already. Cause yeah. I called the, I called them vile people a couple weeks ago. Um, knowing that a person we have on this podcast fairly often is a Philly our, fan. One of our regulars. Yeah. One of our regulars is a Philly fan. He is also one well, of the nicest people I know. He's an exception. He's a good man. Yeah. He's the exception Listen, to the Philly I didn't rule. Which three guys would be the ones that were the villains or the guilty uh, individuals. It's okay. We law. know it's like, Schwarber, Harper. Yeah. We know. You said that, not me. <laughs> it's um, like that. You said that, not me. But yeah, then the the folks like when you're like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, it was really sad. Uh, trust me, folks listening to this podcast are like, that's not that sad. Joe didn't yeah. even want to do the podcast the next week, which is true. Leland. Oh, yeah. After Leland, I'm Rangers, telling you, I talked maybe five minutes out of 50. It was our worst podcast. Easily, yeah, I, got, I, like, I got frustrated. Yeah. I was like, OK, well, you didn't watch. You didn't pay attention to other sports. Yeah, he was like, did you we watch anything? And I was here. like, no, I didn't watch any well, baseball. Listen. I didn't watch any football. No. Yeah. Listen, I, I am one of my old radio producers, AJ Ritzer. Shout out to him because he's a, he's an O's fan, and I got some friends as well. That obviously the they're the parent club of the Norfolk Tides, who won the AAA I know World Series national championship this year, and we have the Tides in our backyard here. And, and a lot of those players were homegrown from the Tides. But you had a feeling this was going to come, and I thought the team that it would knock you out would be Toronto, not Texas, just because it was matching up to me like the San Diego LA deja vu of last year, where you own Toronto, you see them, and then they get hot against you. But you're, you've got a bright future. Your team is stable. and and But you're running into the same problem my Diamondbacks are. You're in a division where the Dodgers can go by, the Yankees can go by, Tampa's well run, the Giants went and got a good manager, I think, in Bob Melvin, and then you've got San Diego, who's got still some star talent, which is a lot like Toronto. So we could we could obviously say we got a good situation, or we both could be headed for fourth place come next year. So it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint what will happen, but uh, – you know, the baseball playoffs, it, it was it was fun for me until until the very end. And when we lost game one of the World Series, I thought that was, I say we, I'm part of the team. When they lost game one of the no, World Series, 
that was that was the beginning of it. And it reminded me of my Arizona Cardinals because if you remember with Warner and Fitzgerald years ago, losing the Steelers, they had that great that, yeah. magical, unexpected ride. People were saying worst team to ever make the playoffs. It's like the Diamondbacks were the worst team to ever make the playoffs this year. 84 wins. What are you doing? <laughs> Guys like Chris Mad Dog Russo said he would retire retire if they went to the world series and beat the Phillies twice in Philadelphia and they didn't, he didn't retire by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing about each run is you get this far and you know, your heart's going to get broken at some point. You're just trying to delay the inevitable. And, and it, and in both cases it happened after beating Philadelphia teams to get to the final round. So. Here's the thing, and I'm with you. 99% of the time, I'm right there with you. Like, if one of my teams is winning, I'm like, this feels good, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. The Orioles, Leland will tell you, I am the most pes- one of the most pessimistic people he's probably ever met in his life. But when it comes to the Orioles, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, no, this is it. My brother warned me. My brother warned me. He said, we might get swept by the Rangers. And I was like, how about this, Brad? We're not going to lose a game in the playoffs. How about that? <laughs> and then we did well, let, get swept. Let me ask this question, Joe. Now, you, you tell me you didn't do what my partner, Coach Young, says, because when he loses to, like, their rival in Suffolk, which is Kings Fork, he always says, I hope they win the whole thing because then we can say we lost. Oh, my gosh, no. And I'd say, that's hogwash. I say, you're with me on the same thing. I agree. You don't want to root for them because that, that I'm like, no, I'm a vindictive person. I root for them to go down. I don't want to, you know, say, well, we lost to them. What, what solace do you have in that? There's no joy and satisfaction in that. You I was rooting for the Astros. You a consolation prize. Absolutely. Yeah, I was rooting for the Astros. I was like, I hope they do cheat. I hope they cheat and they beat the Rangers. Good. Why, if you can, <laughs> steal if you must, but always cheat. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that guy. Every once in a while, you see a TikTok of him or whatever, where he goes out. He's a youth coach, and he comes out to talk to his youth pitchers, yeah. you know, as a joke. And he goes out there, and there's one where he goes out to the king and goes, if you know how to cheat, now's the time. <laughs> I felt like that during game <laughs> seven of the Astros. I was like, hey, guys, it's time to cheat. Let's figure this out. Well, it didn't go too well for Mattress Mac. No. Well Ooh, that was a bad look on the way bad, out. Yeah, it was rough for him. Yeah. yeah. And he and he got the he he let he used some choice words to express his displeasure. <laughs> he did. So. That's okay. I was too on the way out for the Orioles. <laughs> Just didn't come on air. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Always one of our top guests. You're just full of knowledge. We love to steal whatever we came from. You when I when I quote you on Friday night on radio and actually don't actually give you credit for it, I'll be appreciative. So that's just know that. <laughs> No, that's completely fine, and uh, always a pleasure, guys, and looking forward to the state championship. I just hope I'm in one piece for whatever jaunt I have to make for December 9th, whether it be for the Class 6, Class 5 finals at UVA, the Class 4, Class 3 finals at Liberty University in Lynchburg, or possibly the Class 2 and Class class 1 in Salem. We'll see wherever uh, I end up, assuming I'm still here in one piece and I make it through Hog Heaven at Bill Clinton University and uh, David Letterman University at Ball State. There we go. There you go. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Thanks again to Matt Hatfield for joining us. Always great to have him on. Uh, Leland, quickly, let's recap what happened last week. Uh, Two teams that will not be playing this week, Stanton and Waynesboro. Uh, Tight game at the half. Stanton took care of business in the second half. Yeah, and what I appreciated most from what I saw from that game is two teams fighting that weren't going to the playoffs. They didn't come into the game with expectations of when this we're in and they still fought hard. So I appreciated that out of those coaching staffs, having them ready. Wayne's had a lot of fight for an 0 and 9 team coming to that game. Um, and that Morris quarterback is something to watch. Uh, I mean, he was throwing a lot of 
his misses were high a lot of times, but he has a really strong arm. He has the body. So I, I think that's kind of a, a recruit kind of guy to watch and, and see see if they can build around him like they just built around the last quarterback they had at Waynesboro. So I, I think that's interesting. But, you know, entertaining game, but also one stand took off in the second half allowed me to look at PowerPoints the whole, the whole second half. Uh, but I appreciate that out of those two staffs. I think a lot of positives there. I think when I try to keep pumping in the positive and how – the Shenandoah district might do better in the non-district next year. Um, you know, those two teams effort in a game that really didn't mean anything um, gives me that hope. So I like that. And then, uh, you know, Wilson didn't play, but they, you know, their season is over as we saw that would be, they, they barely missed. They end up tied with Broadway and PowerPoints and then only 0.4 out on the ratings points. So uh, they were right there. So, I, I think they'll find a way to use that as a positive of just missed and, you know, what the little things they can do to get better. And I think we could point at those all season. So, uh, you know, those, those teams are out, um, you know, Fort and gap played and Fort won 42 to 16 after kind of toying around with gap for a little bit. Um, I, I like where Fort sits now. I like where Fort, they got the win, but everything happened around them there in class two. So you got Strasburg at, at number four and that's where, um, Fort Defiance will go with Strasburg coming off the loss to Central. And I think there might be a little of a blueprint there from on film there, what Central was able to do. And and I think Fort can attach attack them in a similar manner. Um, you know, we just heard from from uh, Matt Hatfield there. We really didn't talk about Fort Defiance because I just think they're kind of lobbed in that mess. But he he talked about how good Strasburg is and how they're capable. And I, I honestly think Fort's going to be right there. I, I have no reason just to rule Fort out against in Strasburg, I'm, I'm going to pick them probably because um, I'm biased for my home teams. But so I, I think Ford has a chance to at least make a little bit of noise here. While I, I agree with Matt when he looks at the whole 3B and says, you know, Riverheads has to like their their path, I, I agree with him. I'm not arguing that. Um, but I think Ford Defiance could, you know, cause a little noise in the meantime. And, and I would take some pride. I think the ability for Fort and Riverheads to both win playoff games this weekend um could help kind of you know soften how disappointing the Shenandoah district season was this year I think you know some get adding up some playoff wins would would help I don't think draft's gonna be able to do that or anything I I I, Matt honestly gave Stewart's draft a little more credit than I probably will against Central I Central has really come on these last three weeks uh they've really played good footballs closing the season and it wasn't all against bad opponents so uh I I I think that's going to be tough for draft to handle there so I think class two is kind of what we thought. I mean, it's what we've been saying. And that's why we're not spending a lot of time of it on this week's podcast, because we kind of known about what we were going to have for the last couple of weeks. Um, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we can get, I think it's, it's very reasonable to think we have two local teams winning two B playoff games this week. And, uh, but I, I do think that Strasburg Fort game is the best, best on the schedule. So. Yeah, I think Fort Defiance has a great chance to win that game. I actually would pick them too, but I think it's going to be a very tight game between them and Strasburg. Yep. Um, all right, let's just jump to volleyball since uh, we really we hit the whole state of high school football. Um, if you do, there is a little high school football news I'll, I'll talk about in the D block, so stick around for that, listeners. Uh, but let's talk about volleyball. And Fort Defiance, our last team standing. Uh, and that's... <laughs> kind of what we predicted. They're the two seed there in 2B. They're my favorites to win 2B. I think on Tuesday night, they go down to Central and they win. I know Central's rolling through the playoffs here. They just swept Riverheads out of the playoffs. 
Riverhead season's done. Uh, I think they swept them all three times they played this year. Um, but I think Fort Defiance, I, I mean, they're that they're that solid program that's coming. They're the team that was battling with Rockbridge, which Rockbridge just won 3C. Um, I, you know, I think Fort Defiance is, is knows what it takes to play in the state level at class three. And so I, I'm just not scared of them being able to be successful at class two. I think it starts with a win with central, but even if somehow I'm wrong, I still think they're dangerous from a, from a number two position, uh, you know, facing a region A team. So I think it'll, or uh, yeah, region A team. So I think it'll be interesting uh, to see what Fort's able to do rooting for them to, to go further. I mean, they haven't lost a district game in a couple of years. And I think to me, I just think they're the best team in the region. So I, I'm picking them against central on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've been on a roll in terms of the Shenandoah District, which we kind of expected, but then they've carried this over into 2B. We talked about some of the struggles that they had against some of those 3C teams, which were you were normally would have been the ones that you're like, uh-oh, because those are the teams you're going to have to see in the postseason, but they don't have to see them this year. And I yeah. think that kind of helped prepare them for this 2B playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're already, they already know they're going to states. If they beat Central, that means they're going to host a state game, which I think, yeah. as you said, I think they've got a great chance to do that. I, I do want to just mention Buffalo Gap. I mean, they go 0-12 in the Shenandoah District, and then here's our example of Region 1B just not being strong. They go down there to uh, Franklin and, and pull off a victory. They hadn't won in weeks and weeks and weeks, and then they go down there and win. That Region 1B is, is tough. So or, uh, tough to tough – to, not tough <laughs> as in difficult. It's tough to watch. Um, and they do lose to Alta Vista, one of the better teams. But, oof, just when I saw that they won – I, I, I root for our local teams, but I mean, an O and 12 team going to the playoffs from a, from a district. Oof, that's, that's tough. Um, competition cheer. Uh, we did last week talk about Wilson. They were able to get in the class three as did Waynesboro. They finished sixth, seventh in class three cave spring wins class uh, C or class three, excuse me. Uh, but where we had a higher finisher is a two B for defiance. They got to the fourth spot and states in in region two, not just two B out of two B, they finished fourth in class two. Very impressed with they were what they were able to do. Good in the districts um, at different times. They they were fourth in the district and then one two B. So they really you know peaked at the right time with their um, with what they were doing there in the competition cheer and their um, their prepared thing. So it's just really good season for them Stewart's draft you know that's that perennial team from our area they, they finished sixth, so at least they got to go to states that was good not quite the you know class two winners like we've seen them um but graham takes that home glenver second keen william third but you know good show in there from our cheerleaders yeah no state title to talk about but still some some good finishing and a lot of representation at the state level yeah it's great to see the representation that they got and then of course you know there was an article written about Waitsboro going to states this year, and it was three years ago. They didn't even have a cheer yeah. team, and, and now they're yeah. back and they're competing in a state tournament where they finished seventh, uh, which is great. So, yes, they don't uh, have the hardware to show example. at a state tournament, but it's another example uh, at Waynesboro that yeah. the, these programs that didn't exist or had to forfeit games because they didn't have enough people, and now they're start they were clicking, and you know Waynesboro football is kind of back in a little bit of a downswing, but. As we they touched on, as we touched on, they have fighting. teams, they have players, yeah. and there's a lot of reason for folks at Waynesboro to be positive about next football season. Um, and, and I think they've got a lot of reason to be positive about other sports that are going on. Volleyball this year had an uptick. Uh, cheer, obviously, uptick. 
from JV was JV football was strong, so I think they're feeding well. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that there. And if for everybody a couple of years ago that was really quick to jump on, well, the eSports is killing everything. And we talked about it to some I, degree. We talked you know, about it. And we also. And these these sports are coming back. So I, I it's just hard to just blame everything on technology. Maybe maybe a little bit of motivation for these kids to get out and participate in school pride and all that. It, it helps. Well, but again, you and I say a lot of stuff on this podcast. We've been doing it long enough. We're going to say a lot of things. We're going to get a lot of things wrong. But that was one that we got right. Um, that was when, when that was the excuse being thrown out, you and I both felt like that was an easy excuse and probably didn't tell the whole story of what's going on there. And I I don't think that's what was going on there. I don't think esports killed sports because again, as you and I said, the people for the most part that are doing esports are not the same people who are going out and playing football. They're not the same people who are going out and playing all these other sports. It's just the, the, the crossover is not there. You don't, point, you don't blame chess club and debate club for killing high school sports. <laughs> why are you blaming esports? At some point, people blame the TV on why people weren't doing sports anymore. And at some point before that, people blame the radio on why kids weren't yeah. being more active at their school. Like, and boxing. They're not boxing anymore here. You know, like, yeah, it, we're, we're good. We're good. All right. Uh, let's jump up to the next level here. College uh, reality check uh, for the Hokies. They had they enjoyed the week of sitting in the top three of the ACC. And here comes the top two. And Leland's optimism bought right into all of it. And uh, man, that Hokies football game just showed the reality that we're just not at that level. And and that's fine. I, like we don't have to just jump to that level immediately. Like I'm not like heartbroken about what happened. I, I really wanted to look better than that. I wanted, I said, but pregame in conversation, I just want to play well. Like I want to, I want to like think that we belong here. Even if we lose at Louisville, a team that's ranked and all that, especially when they started having injury after injury, after injury Saturday morning, I was like, just let's be in this thing. And at no point were we in that thing. We just completely got rocked. And it was, you know, by the end of it, I was a little too mad to even keep my eyes on it. I was pretty fine with cooking dinner during the second half of that football game. Oh, I checked out early in that second half. Yeah. Like I had it on, but you know, chicken nuggets were getting air fried. So no, I was out. <laughs> that was one. I was just like, all right, I don't have to watch this. Um, yeah. Like you, See, I, you know, had the array of TVs to choose from so. <laughs> after, after Louisville loss, I would have found another game um, to put on that TV. Uh, but after Louisville lost a pit and you started talking then, and I said, get your head out of your mind. I, I will admit, Virginia Tech played a lot better than I thought they could in the weeks leading up to that Louisville game. And yeah. we had seen the ACC be the ACC in terms of everybody goes nuts and yeah. everybody upsets somebody. Um, and, but... Louisville fixed their problem. Louisville fixed their problem, <laughs> and Virginia Tech doesn't have a win on the road. And that's the Virginia Tech team that showed up. It's the team that can't figure it out. at the end of this month, we have a road game. Well, we have more than that. We have a game coming up against Boston so, College that's on the road. We have a game. The one in Charlottesville worries me. Well, you got to win that. The UV. If you lose the UVA game, you're not going to a bowl. Plain and simple. Oh no, I, I, absolutely not. Yeah, and they'll know like nothing more than to keep us from a bowl. Yeah. I mean, that, so that I've game been over there where that's been on the line, and that's I mean they will revel in that. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. Virginia Tech needs to figure it out. They need to fix it before Boston College. I, 
I think we can. I this just I mean that loss doesn't make me think oh we're doomed against Boston College. I think we just gotta we gotta circle back and and where it's at Boston College in the season. And I was I was even more negative and I was like we need to respond to the to, to missed expectations and we need I want to see how we respond. And then we we did and I was very positive like here's an immediate we got to turn around the next week and deal with a Boston College trip that we sometimes just screw up even when we're half decent. So let's go do it. A noon, noon ACC network. Let's do it. Yeah. It'd be nice to get that win. Um, UVA. Uh, I don't know what to make of this because you this was, they were going to win that thing. I did too. I, I thought they were starting you to maybe. No, I did not. You thought you. Yes. You I did not. Okay. I Georgia Tech. Well, someone picked Louisville and was right by about 31 points. So, <laughs> so we'll trade. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Um, but I, I, I was right in my UVA hatred, at least. <laughs> I thought UVA was starting to put some things together there, but then Georgia Tech just comes out and just blows them out. And while Georgia Tech is having a better year than people thought, it's not that good. And no. that that was one where I think kind of like Virginia Tech a little bit was like, oh, yeah, we, we're going to go to the ACC championship. And then they played a little more like, OK, recalibrate. UVA might have been sitting there going like, hey, maybe we can get hot and get into a bowl game. And that game was like, well, you're eliminated from bowl condition. Recalibrate. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like that was a game where honestly, like their next game is at Louisville loss, Duke loss. And then it's the Virginia Tech game. So who knows? Yeah. I, I just. <sighs> yikes. If I was a UVA fan, I would not be pumped. Um. The the UVA fan we most interact with with this podcast is not. Yeah, he's not pumped. He wasn't pumped, and even when they won a game there, I guess it's not like he messaged us different. So no, he knew he he actually said he, he thought that we were going to win that game or they were going to win that game because they always seem to more because the opponent. Yeah, <laughs> it, the opponent. Yeah, um, but. JMU, they're up to number 21 in the AP and the coaches poll. They thumped Georgia State. I mean, that was just barnyard beatdown, which was yeah. awesome. They came out. The bad news is that the guy who was getting ready to maybe set the sack record and break Terrell Suggs' sack record uh, gets hurt. And that's that's a major bummer um, because that's going to be a big, big factor. And I just hate to see it because he, he had – He's done so well, and when you lose a guy like Jalen Green for the rest of the year, that can throw a damper on a lot of stuff. Now, I still think JMU has no trouble with UConn. Um, They're big favorites in that. Like 25 and a half point. Yep. Yeah, wow. Um, And then it's Appy State. And honestly, like... They talk about it every time JMU's on TV, which is good. It's it's the TV people talking about it, not JMU people. Although JMU people are talking about it. Um, I don't know. Have you have you opened Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> but it helps that they're getting the national media attention, and hopefully, when push comes to shove, somebody will invite JMU to a bowl, and they will get to go to a bowl. Um, Just need to shove those teams. There's got to be an open spot. And just, yeah, that's 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 what we got. That's that's what we're hoping for for the for the Dukes. That is what we're hoping for. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now they're undefeated. 
I think they would be going to a New Year's Six if they were bowl eligible this year because I I do think they're going to go undefeated at this point. I do think they're going to – I do think they would win the Sun Belt, um, and I do think at that point they, they would be ranked higher than Tulane. And so I think they would get in to a New Year's Six. I don't know how they would fare in that game, but they'd be in it. If Jalen Green's yeah. out, I don't love their chances. If Jalen Green plays, I mean, it depends on who we get, right? Do we get the loser of Ohio State-Michigan? Do we get uh, Alabama? Do we get, you know, the loser of the ACC game against Florida State, Louisville? Who knows? Um, but, and that might temper my expectations on how we would fare. Um, but I will say, like, if they get into a bowl game, I would be very interested to see who that opponent is. Because... Yeah it's probably going to be a lower tier bowl. And if so, like, I think they're going to win that game. I don't think we're talking some, if, if we're talking like the middle of the P fives this year, I don't think there's a single conference you could point at and say like the fourth or fifth best team in that conference. Jamie, you can't beat that team. Yeah. Iowa, yeah, I, Iowa, we would oh, throttle. I mean, yeah, Iowa. Jamie scores points. So yeah, we would throttle Iowa. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kansas, Oklahoma State, like, sure. What was it? I saw someone's bowl projection, and it was like, you know, the Bahamas Bowl or something, whatever the Conference yeah. USA has a tie to, and, like, the open spot being there, and throwing JMU versus Liberty at a bowl game, and I was like, absolutely do that. Shut those people up. I would Jamie, love that. Has anybody watched Liberty play basketball or play football? Because I watched – Enough of them. I haven't watched in complete games, but I've watched sections of games. I've had it on TV in the room I'm in. JMU would rock Liberty. Liberty has not played anybody, and they're not near as good as what JMU is. I, I just the, – the noise from Lynchburg just needs to pipe down. Like, watch the sport. You can see it. This is my argument about not needing to see some of these other teams. You can watch the sport and see who's good and not. I'm better than each other. And Liberty is nowhere near what JMU is. Well, apparently not for the college football playoff committee because they put Ohio State number one, and that was bananas. You've been very positive on Ohio State. I don't think they're the best team in the country. You know what kind of surprised me the other day was with USC and the loss, not not surprising that they gave up a whole bunch of points because they've had no defense all year. That doesn't surprise many. You know what? I – for Caleb Williams, a guy that I have mixed emotions about, I think he's good. I kind of want to like him because I'm tired of just hating everybody that's good. And I think this relates to Virginia Tech not being good, so why not cheer for some of these people? So I kind of want to like Caleb Williams. And then he comes out with these statements that he wants to have part ownership from whoever he's drafted or he's not going to go there and all that. And I don't like that at all. That doesn't make me like him. But seeing, like, the emotion from him after the game, I – I like that. And I know like Twitter, some people were starting to bang or I like it. Like I want, I want my quarterback. I want my college quarterback to care about winning. And so when he loses a game where man, he had a performance good enough to win. I mean, you put up 50 points. That wasn't his fault. You know, they you, lost. Yeah. Yeah. You put, you do. And, and this, you know, that loss was, you know, multiple losses. Now they're, they're really out of it. And he, he's just deflated from, you know, the effort that he's put in. I, I like that. And that's what I like about college football, that you can skip moments of that, that emotion. So I like that. I, that was a, a, a thing I liked from him. So I like that, that moment he had after the game. 
uh, I'm sure a bit private. I know, I, I know the mom was shielding people from being able to really see him, but I don't know. I like that moment for him. It makes me come back to a positive thing with him and liking him. So I, I would, I hope it can kind of stay on that track because I kind of do want to like this guy. So uh, we'll see what we get. No, when you say things that are crazy, like I want part ownership in an NFL team. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough to get back from that. I, I don't No, There's no coming back from that. Because we'll honestly, like if you think the NFL owners are ever going to give that up for any single player in the NFL, you're stupid. I keep waiting to I see. Mean like, that, there's I mean that in the most disrespectful those. way possible, by the way. I got to I want to know. I've been waiting to hear like what in the collective bargaining agreement, how that's addressed. And I just don't hear anybody talking about that. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's something in there that you can't. That. You cannot I mean, own yeah. ownership stake so, like, if you are a current player. Loud, like, that's not possible. So let's move on. Like, the Miami Dolphins on got Caleb suspended for maybe it. Just be like, push that message so people can shut up about this because it's a bad look. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins lost draft picks over allegedly talking to Tom Brady about said things. Like, yeah. it is very much not allowed. There you go. It's so dumb. And the NFL owners would never give that up. They're never going to start saying to people, you know what? We want to start giving away stakes of our team to the players because what we really want is less money. Yeah. That's never going to happen. And these people that we want to have the ability to cut, even if they're injured and not care. Yeah. Yeah. Let's like, we're not going to give them guaranteed contracts, but we're going to give them ownership stake. Yeah. No, but never going you know, to trade happen. them to Arizona, but yeah, they'll still own a little bit of us. No. Yeah, no, never going to happen. Imagine the conflict of interest that appears yeah. then. That's why when I say if you think that's ever going to happen, you, remember Maurice Claret and how great he was? The NFL didn't bend the rule for him to enter the draft early. You think they're going to, if Caleb Williams comes in and says, well, I'm not playing in the NFL if I don't get ownership stake, the NFL's going to be like, cool. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this. Look, we played all, we've played. How many seasons without you? We're going to play that many times yeah. 10 without you. We're going to and, keep and playing football until the polar bears have nowhere to stand and they all drown because we've melted all the ice caps and then the United yeah. States floods. And then we're going to make football fields on our water world ships and we're still going to play. And and you might be a better pro prospect than Penix, you know, that you just played in that game and lost to. We'll, we'll be plenty fine with Penix being a top draft yeah. pick instead of you. You think we can't sell Michael Penix? Yeah please yeah yeah sold justin fields you can sell Penix. yeah what um, surprised me uh was notre dame punks how do you lose to the clemson tigers <laughs> sorry that's monday night and jmu and michigan state are playing in a two-point game under 30 seconds left and uh <laughs> i can hear my wife screaming from the other side of the house it is a tie game. I can't believe with 30 seconds left, we are tied with Michigan State. I can't believe it. I don't even care if we lose at this point. See, this is the thing. This is like, this is why if I love. I was yelling at this time of night with the kids trying to sleep about sports. She's been so mad. And I'm hearing her hollering over there. It's different. It's different. It's fine. Um, this, that kind of passion is why I have multiple TVs at all points in my family room. So I, I'm for it. Yeah, I love this. I love that we are tied with Michigan State. And if we win, I mean, my gosh, I don't even know. But if we win, I'm going to start talking national championship like an idiot. But (laughs) 
I'm just happy we're in this game. Final four. Yeah, final four, please. Get us <laughs> start pencil us in now, baby. Our football team should be in the New York Six. Yeah. The, the only reason we're not going to win two national championships in basketball and football is because they won't let us play in the football one because they're scared. Our women are going to win it. Yeah. The women are. Yeah, we might win three. Softball's um, coming. But yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I can't believe they're tied with Michigan State. Uh, but Notre Dame. Yeah, going back. Notre Dame just absolutely laying an egg against the Clemson Tigers. That's not a good Clemson team. It's a bad Clemson team. And Notre Dame went out there and absolutely choke jobbed. I, you know what? I am so sick and tired of hearing of Sam Hartman. Oh, Sam Hartman. Look how many touchdown passes he has in his college career. Sam Hartman's played like a decade of college football. You think I care? Sam Hartman's never beaten Clemson in his life. Failure at the NFL. There, I said it. I wouldn't want my team to draft him. Um, yeah, I somehow that guy has Chris Winky written all over him. Yeah. yeah, I I bet on him, I bet against him. Yeah, and he's lost a lot of games. Um, I what did I see coming is Michigan winning that game, like because of course they would, they're cheating. We haven't talked about that on, on oh, we haven't. Uh, there's a part of me that heard this Michigan stealing <laughs> sign story and just immediately was like, oh, they got caught in some version of what everybody else does. I've listened to enough of the coaches talk about this where I think, you know, trying your hardest to understand what the other team is doing and maybe on the fly stealing signs like in this game you're at. I think everybody's doing some version. They're trying their hardest to what Michigan has done has been overtime has been the ultimate sin. Sorry. My wife's checking in, making sure I know what's going on. I can hear her from the other side of the house, but um, so anyway, uh, we have Michigan in a organized fashion, somebody on their staff who is claiming, Oh yeah, Jim Harbaugh didn't know I was doing this yet. Where's all this coming from? What's the motivation? Like, you gotta, you gotta, you're okay. You're employed by the Michigan state to, or Michigan to be there and be present. And all of a sudden now you're not going to be, cause you're going here and being at this game and doing that. Jim Harbaugh is just cool with you not showing up and has no idea why you're not there. And that's really, I don't think so. So they're paying, this guy is paying other people to also do this. He's going himself. He's staying on the sidelines of other schools, pretending he's on their staff. So he can be looking right across the field at the other school. He's videotaping it. I mean, it's a whole organized plan of cheating. And half of what he's doing is distinctly written in the rules you cannot do. You cannot video the other team's signals. He's doing that. Um, So I think they need to be punished. Just point blank, they need to be punished. I, I don't exactly know what that punishment is, but what I know is reality is, and they can say today, the Big Ten can say, hey, Michigan, being punished is a possibility out there. Um, it's not going to happen until after January. In February, they might get punished, but it ain't going to happen until after the national championship. Or if Michigan gets knocked out, Ohio State beats them, and now they're not really eligible. Okay, then right then it'll happen. But like, as long as Michigan State's undefeated, they ain't getting punished. Not substantially, not in any way that I think is valuable. So Michigan. that's reality. Yeah, as long as Michigan's undefeated. Yeah. Um, Money. Yeah, I – 
Uh, we haven't talked about this. I've heard, I've listened to lots of it. Um, and I don't know if you saw this. There is video of this uh, Connor Stallions dressed up in Central Michigan gear. Yeah. On their sideline. Standing like, on their sideline. I was referencing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. That video, that video is great. If you haven't seen it, go out and search it. Just search Connor Stallion Central Michigan. No, It'll show it. up. Crazy. He's got it's like nuts. sunglasses that light up. And he, <laughs> it's a night game. It's a night game and he's wearing sunglasses. Honestly, it's something you would see on a sketch comedy show of this coach yeah. that does not belong on that sideline. Central Michigan staff's like, we don't know who that guy is. Their AD is like, we don't know how he got on the sideline. Like, which you might be thinking, is Central Michigan in on it? No. How many times do you – it's like every year we see a story of, oh, so-and-so, some fan dressed up like a person who's supposed to be there and walked onto the sideline or walked into the coach's huddle. It happens all the time. So I'm not surprised that some guy that's dressed up like a Central Michigan coach ends up on the sideline. I'm surprised that he wore sunglasses and no one was like, uh, what's with the dude in sunglasses? But, um, yeah, I, I found it hilarious. And, like, anytime there's, like, a play that's going over near where he's standing, he, like, starts to hide his face. And it's, like, because he knows the camera's going to be on him. It's it's great. That's funny. Um now, the overall thing of what they did is not funny. That's bad. And I know people might be saying, well, it's Michigan State. They didn't need to cheat against Michigan State. Look what they did. Uh, counterpoint, Connor Stallions, the year he gets there, is the year Michigan turns it around. The only year Connor Stallions has been there that Michigan hasn't been good was 2020. And you might be thinking, why does that year stick out? Because that's the year fans weren't allowed in the stands. So Connor Stallions couldn't show up to other games and videotape the signals. So I think there's a lot to this. Jim Harbaugh lost a lot of games at Michigan that he wasn't supposed to lose. And they lost inexplicably. And now this guy shows up and they know what plays are coming. And all of a sudden they don't lose. Oh, and that college football semifinal that they got absolutely housed by TCU. You know why TCU was housing them in the first half? Because TCU knew about this, and TCU had dummy calls the entire first half. And so Michigan was preparing for the wrong play, and TCU absolutely smoked them. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to this. I, honestly, I, the, Big Ten, the Big Ten commissioner is in for a fight here because Michigan is saying, we're going to fight you if you try to punish us, but you have about every single coach in the Big Ten that is not Michigan saying – you have to do something here. And honestly, I don't think saying you can't go to the college football playoff is should be off the table. I think that absolutely should be on the table. I I, I don't if you don't do it here, you're never gonna do it. Oh, and why if it. if you're not if you're not gonna do it, why would any other college football program in the country not start doing this? And here's my thing to the NCAA, which I understand. They'll wait until apparently, the they'll punish them with some bullcrap, and then they'll ch- make the rules more obvious and apparent. And like, it's just bull, it's bullcrap. It's the NCAA. But it's here's the problem: it's the NCAA. Well, the Big Ten is who gets to adjudicate if this. If JMU apparently. was doing this cheating, they'd be wiped off the face of the earth. Oh right yeah, now. which was but Michigan's doing it. Yeah, they won't do anything. Which is my problem with the NCAA and these Power Fives, yes. and it, it's my problem yes. with giving the Power Fives more power. 
is because they're going to keep doing this kind of stuff and nothing's ever going to happen to them. And if they ever do take, if they ever do take away their power, then the big, then the power fives will leave and do their own thing. Yeah. Which again, like I, I hate, but again, like the NCAA is really harping on this rule of two years, no bowls, but apparently the, uh, sign stealing stuff they're like well i mean what are we gonna do i don't know big 10 i guess this yeah. is your thing yeah michigan we just let them loose yeah let jmu we gotta protect go. you from yourselves all you're doing is going out there and just destroying everyone in your path but they won't protect anybody from michigan but they'll protect protect yeah. from themselves i that's the crazy part of this yeah. i honestly i i don't i would love to see michigan not be allowed to to be in this because I think it's absolutely fair. I, I don't understand for the life of me why they are allowed to be in this. Um, Harbaugh's gone. Harbaugh's going to the NFL. Uh, okay. Let me ask you he's this. He's not going to be here for this. Let punishment. me ask you this. He's, he's what he's NFL leaving. front office is going to look at that timeline that I just laid out and say, yep. The bears are going to take him. The bears have a first year head coach. I don't think they're going to be doing that. Um, the Falcons might because their coach is an idiot. Um, Jamie's winning by one. Yeah, mm, that looked like a foul, but okay, good. Don't call it. Sorry, you're gonna get some play by play here on the podcast. Yeah, you're gonna get a little play by play. That's a JMU miss. Get the is... rebound. Get the rebound. That's ours. Okay, that's fine. Ah oh, man, sucks to suck, Michigan State. Um, <laughs> you wrote them off like a half hour ago. You've been done. We were down were like seven up. points, and I was like, all right, good job. Was it seven? It was like I only ever saw it get to four. No, we were down more than four. I, was... I missed it. I missed the seven. Yeah, it's fine. But um, I guess what I did see coming was Alabama absolutely thumping LSU. That that oh, to me was like <laughs> – I was like, LSU's defense is horrible. I saw it coming like – 50 units worth of something. So awesome. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Just make up a unit of something we would all care about. I also that's saw, how, I also I saw Oklahoma state winning, which by the way, anytime, yes, yeah, anytime there's these conference realignments and somebody says, well, we're not playing you anymore. I love to see now, not when it's Virginia tech, but when it, Virginia Tech's not involved, I love to see the team that is moving and saying, we're not going to play you anymore to lose. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Oklahoma State, oh, that was dumb. That's JMU being just not very smart. you got to run the clock a little bit more. Luckily, we got fouled. Um, You're a touch ahead of me. You're a touch ahead of me. Yeah, we're just shooting threes with like 10 seconds on the shot clock. Um, well, what else is that guy going to do on the court? Hold on to the ball for another nine seconds and then chuck it up and hope you hit the rim. Nope. His entire existence on I'm, this earth is to shoot threes. I'm aware of why he lives. <laughs> um, He's the beef at the cattle's place. The only reason that cow exists is to be eaten. Yeah. That guy's on that court to shoot threes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't make me feel great. Um, but at least we found out that Sissoko guy. He's been killing us on the boards. Um, but yeah, like... I don't even remember what I was saying. I Were we talking about Alabama? Maybe. <laughs> That's some good podcasting. Yes, Bama. You said they were going to win. They won. Oh, no, they it was Oklahoma State. It was Oklahoma State. They they went down. They, they got won. to, yeah, they they got to beat Oklahoma. Out. That was awesome. I loved that. 
good for Oklahoma State. They've turned it around a little bit this season. Uh, I they're in the top twenty-five, which I think is. I wouldn't. Uh, I I honestly, that's P five bias. Uh, that team's not a top twenty-five team. P.S. Oklahoma's not a top twenty-five team. The Oklahoma yeah. team that beat Texas, I think they disappeared that day. Yeah. Um. Well, betting this weekend, you did well in the exports betting. I I did well outside of the exports betting, mainly because I it, I when I review some of the things you said last week, like Okie State winning, I was way behind that in two different bets, and both of them came out. Uh, Iowa being uh, the under in their game against Northwestern that helped me in two different ways. Kansas helped me. I know we didn't talk about that. So yeah, there was a lot of things I liked on Saturday. Um, I lost my lead is gone in the uh, super dog, basically pickums here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after the day I had Saturday, I could care less, uh, cause there's no money involved here. Um, but yeah, you're leading by one. Now my 24 and a half lead is completely gone. Went down to nine last week. Now it's down to a one point lead for Joe. Joe, your big, your big thing was Okie state winning there. Yeah. But who do you got this week? I got options written on my side. Who you got? Well, I got my lock. Uh, there were a couple, but I just saw this one. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to do some more crying because Oregon's going to cover that 14 and a half spread. They're going to absolutely dog can USC. Um, okay, keep looking at your dog while I talk about mine. My lock. Um, yeah. And now I want Okie State. I liked enough of what I saw from them that they'll beat UCF by two. So that's my lock. I've got two and a half. So you would need them to win by three. Okay. Which app are you on? I'm on uh, DraftKings. Which one are you? I was on ESPN.com. That's what you were using earlier in the season. So that's fine. Yeah. Two and a half? Let's call it two and a half. Two and a half it is. All right, so that's what I'm rolling with. I got Virginia Tech beating BC. I got Louisville beating UVA, and I got JMU beating UConn. Are you joining me on those? BT is the one I assume I'm asking the question about. Yeah, just because I think the bowl game thing's going to matter a little bit to them. I hope so, too. Um, All right. You know what? For my dog... Give me – no, they're not going to win. Give uh, – I'll go back to this. I don't feel great about it. Give me Colorado plus 10.5. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, I guess I, I'm going to go with this BYU plus 6.5 with Iowa State. Yeah, I didn't love any of the other options. Uh, yeah. I, I see what you have down here. No, the Michigan I was never really going with with Penn State. I just wrote it down as as a. I was just say I saw you had that as I your love, dog. I and do your like lock. ODU thirteen and a half with Liberty, but I'm just not going to do it. Uh, but BYU, that's what I got. What are you What are you saying? Yeah, a Penn State's going to get housed. Yeah, I agree. That was almost my lock, but shied away. I mean, one Michigan's going to know the plays they're calling, but I Easily, also know the yeah. plays Penn State's going to be calling. It's run, two runs and a hail mary. All but right. the Hail Mary is actually only once every, like, five drives. NFL, something that stuck out to me, mm-hmm. two things that stuck out to me. 
I, I mean, I'm glad my Steelers won. I bet it. It worked out for me. It was a good. It was a good weekend. Uh the Vikings with Dobbs coming in as the second option at quarterback after they trade for him this week, and he makes game-winning plays while they're playing the Falcons with Heineke, which is not their first option. That's just a mess. I think I said something about it, like I'm not impressed with some of the, what's going on in the NFL. I think we hit on it with Hatfield too. Mm-hmm. I just that that game was a great example of that. But saying that, it's incredibly entertaining to watch. Like, just you would never expect success. Like Dobbs' first play, he gets sacked and almost near the end. Zone. It was just a terrible play. It was a safety early. I really do think, and he just he made it. He made it happen. The Vikings win, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was oh. a great. It was a great witching hour. It was a good witching hour. Um, it's a great witching hour right now with JMU just hitting a put yeah, back with 55 seconds left. Yeah. They got to put back with 55 seconds left. They're up too. Um, yep. just so the podcast audience can know where we are in the night. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was an entertaining witching hour. It was frustrating in the sense that the Patriots losing cost me several cost me a couple parlays. The Falcons losing cost me a teaser. Um, and so Typically, there was some money there. I did really good on Saturday, Thursday, and into Saturday. So I just didn't bet on Sunday. I just left it. I'm telling you, Alabama just, saved. Oh, no, I bet. I bet the Chiefs game, but then, then I stopped. Yeah, Alabama saved me on Saturday. Um, I texted you some things that won't be repeated yeah. on the podcast. That, that was added on. That was cherries on top. Um, and stuff. But Alabama saved that. And then what we had was on Sunday was actually a really good day. Um, my Ravens same game parlay cashed. I had a Gus Edwards touchdown that cashed early Ravens to cover. That was pretty well decided. And then Geno Smith under 230 passing yards was, I mean, I could have said Geno Smith under 150 passing yards. I would have won. So (laughs) that was, that was awesome. And he got 50 passing yards on one play. So he really, (laughs) outside of a DK Metcalf 50 yard pass at 80 yards passing for the game which was great. Um, but yeah, like the Falcons, like that I have never seen a team. We made jokes about Virginia Tech in their blowout win against Syracuse every time they got in the red zone was a problem. I have never seen people who are quote-unquote professionals be so bad at the area where you're supposed to be able to, you're almost to your goal. It's like if every time someone was building a house and they got to the part where they just make the electrical work every time they flip the fuse the house burnt down like that is watching the atlanta falcons i don't know how falcons fans do it i'm not a falcons fan and i sit there and i blame i blame coaches i blame players i blame everybody i know fans are losing their mind about desmond ritter here's getting benched against uh with tyler or taylor haneke i don't know whatever his name is um I don't like Desmond Ritter. I've watched Desmond Ritter cost me money before. I was like, good, get rid of Desmond Ritter. <laughs> and then Heineke this week, I was like, you know what? Get rid of him too. And then I was like, yeah, I think it's the coach. I think it's him. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. We're down to the final 15 seconds. JMU's up one. I'm at 25 seconds. Uh, okay, well, brace for impact then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you better call a timeout, Tom. Knock it down. 
I caught up. That'd be a four-point lead. Woo! <laughs> can you feel the tension? <laughs> I know I can. Down in my blues. I hate how a half hour ago you <laughs> gave up on him. I hate it. I honestly do hate that about you. I was not expecting this. So that's fine. I, I don't care. Hurt, but you don't expect anything ever. It's always negative town. And like, why can't you just have like a spot of hope when it's still within 10 points? Because when the Orioles, like, oh, that's why. It's over. I'm done. Because the Orioles. Yeah, Matt Hatfield, stop watching it. There's no reason to watch. Because the Orioles, that's why. Every time I hope for something, <laughs> it's bad. Anything else on the NFL when you talk about? Um, yeah, Dallas continues to find crazy ways to lose games. Like, fine with me. Dak taking that sack was bonehead. Yeah, it's fine with me. That was bonehead. Um, and then hats off to the Eagles. I, they keep winning games that I don't think they should. Um, let me say this too: the the 49ers, uh, officially have a problem. I think that's officially a problem in San Fran. Did they play this week? I don't think they played this week, but I'm officially worried for How them. Get worse. I I I just feel worse about it. I just feel worse about it. And the Dolphins, they don't they don't travel well. Anytime they're not playing in Miami, that's real sketch. Dolphins are fake. I do think the Dolphins are fake. I'm not completely selling San Francisco yet. Honestly, I, I feel great. I've seen Kansas City do this crap where it's just like, what are they doing? Is this right? And yeah, then, it's called right now. And then it gets going. It's then called it right going. now if you're Kansas City, too. I, I was getting ready to say, I, honestly. They lost one game, right? My, I think they've lost two. Um, well, two overall, but they lost the opener against Detroit, but then they lost last week to Denver. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Their offense yeah. has looked pretty bad. Yeah, I'm more worried about San Francisco comparing the two, but I do like think like other years, Kansas City has lost like two I will say this or something like that. And then like they get it together. They're well coached in that. And I think San Francisco is, too. So like I'm just not selling them. Wow. Our last win against a ranked opponent, a.k.a. our only win against a ranked opponent, was 1992. <laughs> and you asked me why I didn't believe when we went down seven. Because of that. That's why. California. Wow. They suck. Stupid nerds joining the ACC. Um, but as I was getting ready to say, I feel great if I'm the Ravens. If Lamar can stay healthy... Uh, we look just as good as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are looking good. You're looking good. I hate it. I, what did I see today? If the playoffs started today, the entire AFC North is in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. Um, and I do think I picked three of them to make the playoffs. And after watching it, three of them should be in the playoffs. Four of them definitely shouldn't. Yeah, look, that's good. the thing, right? Like, I, I look at the standings and I'm like, how are how are these three other teams above 500? Like, yeah. the Steelers offense, they try to lose games. Uh, even in a win, George Pickens is free me, which I was like, yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, And then, which also, when he gets negative 0.1 for me in fantasy, Please do free him. Get him out of there. Kenny Pickett sucks. CJ Stroud has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. And he's played in 13 fewer games. 
Yeah. I think someone was right when they said Kenny Pickett sucks. Um, Yeah. You also said Lamar Jackson sucks at one point too. So eh, he's yet to play a full season. Um, He won. He won an MVP since then. Yeah, that was okay. I, that was the full season he played. That was the full season he played. Since since that MVP, though, he has missed a full season in the last two. Since the exact opposite of what I said. He's proven me now, right. now, either as good as anybody, and he could lead him to a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, he sucks. He might, um, if he stays healthy. We'll see. Um, if Yeah, like everything else, if he wins a Super Bowl, all is forgiven. Um, and, but, if, and, and if he does, oh, Joe is motivating him. That's the reason it happened. That's right. He's welcome. Correct. Um, Cleveland is the other team. Uh, Cincinnati, okay. Like I, yeah, I've been wrong. Team, I believe it. That's the two. That's the second yeah. team. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah. I've been wrong about Cincinnati before and writing them off for dead too early. So I'm willing to believe that that might actually be real. Cleveland is not real. That's not real. Uh, it isn't. As soon as Deshaun Watson has to play a real NFL team and not the Arizona Cardinals, they're gonna get smoked. Yep. Oh, you cannot miss that free throw, kid. Come on. Yeah, I just heard a curse word. So. Uh, if he misses this, this is gonna. I might still be right, Leon. He must have made it. <laughs> I just heard a positive noise. Yeah, yeah, I did too. He must have. Yeah, he does make it. Okay. <laughs> All right, now we got to hold on for two point eight seconds. Let's see what happens. You've Nobody foul him. Don't foul him. Oh, he poked it away. That's it. That's it. We beat a ranked opponent for the first time since 1992. <laughs> and it's the number four team in the country. Woo! Love Madison, it. James Madison. We are the Dukes JMU. Oh, I love it. What a great day. Let us play. We want Georgia. We want Duke. In basketball? or We want Georgia in football. And we want who's number one? Who's number one? I don't even know. That's who we want. We just beat number four. Is it Kansas? I don't know. Who cares? Probably Kansas. We'll beat them too. I saw a great tweet the other day because Duke's like brought in like their second like top ten recruit in a week. Oh and yeah, it's like, I saw the. There's no tweet telling how many ACC preseason polls <laughs> yeah. Duke can win if they keep recruiting this way. It's nice. I saw that too. Tweet. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be right, so we'll be Bill Self and his team of mercenaries from his Nike contract that the FBI investigated. We'll beat them too. You know what? That's great proof that nothing is going to happen to Michigan. The FBI got involved in college basketball and all these major programs. And Kansas is still number one. And nobody got touched. Nobody got touched. Kansas number one, Duke and Purdue are two, three, depending on which pool we pull you look at. Bring them on. We'll play them all. We're the best team in the country. That's got to be embarrassing because now you have to stand there and sing the alma mater after you just got upset. I think Duke, the JMU should be ranked tomorrow. If this was college football, we would be Who's ranked. Who's going to have a better resume? Who's going to have a better resume than them right now? If if this was college football, we would be ranked. Um Actually, if this was college football, they would tell you that we suck, actually, and we're, we shouldn't be, be in the playoff. Yeah. So thank goodness, thank goodness we don't have a stupid playoff in college basketball like we do football. I don't get how you're not transitioning in basketball, so I, it's just fake. This is fake. Uh, so what's dominating my life? I'll go first here for a second. Uh, I've been watching The Bear on FX. Have you watched that? 
No, it's on my list. Um, I've seen some clips that make me laugh, particularly the one where he asks the guy if he has any ketchup at a kid's hot dog party. <laughs> yeah, there's moments in that show. I I don't know if I'm recommending it. I It's very well done. It's very well done. The first season is tough because it's one of those, like, how much worse can it get? Everything's wrong. There's no way out. Um, the second season is very interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's really a lot of good qualities put into it. I just, I, I am kind of motivated to get done with it just so I'm done with it. Cause I like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to come back to it. So it, that's a weird thing to say. Uh, there's a, some top notch guest appearance act acting in it. And, uh, they must be really in tight with some people because there's like people that just pop in that are like, holy crap, that's a pretty big person to show up in one episode of some show on FX. So, um, but it's good. I, it's good. I, it's, I'm not going to say it's not worth your time, but I'm just not like, oh, you got to watch this. But the second season, they really, like you get with some FX shows, there's some episodes that are just different than all the others. And that take you out of the storyline that you've been following and like really piece in something else. And it's really done well. It's just like an escape episode. And then two episodes later, it'll tie you back to it, which is just really cool. So like the quality is very much there. It's just some of the negativity in the show drives you crazy. And it's not the murder of Yellowstone. It's not the unlikable characters of this. There's likable characters in this. Um, And they, you know, you're, I think you're coming around on some of the ones that really drove me crazy in the first season, but I don't know. I, it's, it's an interesting, well done show. I think it's probably more an exercise of like a film school, like whoever's doing this is probably like really trying to show off their abilities. Um, so it is well done, but like, I don't know if I'm still sitting here like, oh, you got to go watch it. It's, I don't know if it's that, that kind of show. So that's the bear. Yeah, it seems like it has some dark humor aspects, which I might enjoy. So that's the reason it's been yeah. on my list of things. To yeah, watch. I mean, I, without spoiling, there's you know, it's the center, the cre- like the reason the show is happening, like the storyline you're following follows a suicide. So you know, and there's no, that's not a spoiler alert. That's right there up front. So it's tough. So um, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, that's not why it was on my list, but. What's dominating my life transition? Um, it's classic. As you turn your head back toward the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching the game. Um, is uh, Just been watching the highlights of our first ever winning as a top five program. Um, is the Big Lebowski. I, I know I talked about it a little bit last week with trivia and then saying that I had it on DVD and rewatched it. Uh, it's now on Netflix, so it's even easier in case you don't have the DVD. And I did watch it last night while I was doing some uh, early work for basketball that starts this week, um, which will I guess I'm going to combine these two, uh, what I know that you need to know and what's been dominating my life and what's about to dominate my life. Um, yeah, so I, I went back through and watched it again, like the second time in like three nights, um, or at least the second time in two weeks, back-to-back weeks. But... Uh, it's just great. It puts a smile on my face every time. Um, 
it's definitely also dark humor and you need to be able to handle curse words. Um, but yeah, gosh, I love it. I handle them very well. I do very good. In curse I do too. And, and it's amazing. Like <laughs> I just took a picture of it and sent it to you. Uh, I sent it to my brother and uh, another friend that uh, also loves the big Lebowski that um, I was like, Oh, what a, Wow, Michigan State was one for 20 from three. <laughs> they did not make all their shots. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping around so much. This is so much better than a month ago when you wouldn't talk to me on the podcast. Oh. Not because of anything I had done, just because of the Orioles. Yeah, this now so Andy Katz is on the Big Ten Network. <laughs> Tell us about it, Andy. Put us in the Final Four World One seed. Woo! Oh man, this is great. Um, what was I saying? Oh, Big Lebowski, also great. I'm, I might watch the Big Lebowski again tonight. Um, but just, oh, I feel like and, I'm gonna probably end up watching this JMU game again tonight. <laughs> but then after I send the picture to my brother with like, thank you Netflix for the perfect thing to uh, accompany me while I'm doing this basketball prep work. We just start texting Big Lebowski lines to each other just over and over through the phone. And then uh, he gets on and we finish the latest season of Archer, which was, uh, again, also good. That show is amazing. Um, but as I was saying, I was doing basketball prep work and it's basketball, it's soccer, um, it's taking the notes Leland gives me for high school football and trying to read those before we go on air. Um, Yeah, it's a lot going on. It's a busy season, but uh, the JMU win does help with a lot of stress and stuff that was going on. I'm going to caution you. Our Hokies in 2019, it was a different world then. We beat Michigan State in November, and they were number three at the time, and we beat them. And then we went on to lose our next three games. So hopefully Jamie does not do that. Well, this isn't in a tournament like that was. Um, yeah, not all those were acceptable anyway. So you guys got Kent State next and then Howard. Feeling okay. I like her. And Radford and then Southern Illinois. Radford and gave Buffalo UNC a test tonight. I don't know if they ended up winning that game. Let's look. Did they end up? No, they. UNC ended up winning that by sixteen. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, they were the preseason Sun Belt favorite, JMU. Um, I think that has been justified. Um, Look, I'm sorry, Duke. You don't get to play the Dartmouths of the world every night. You're gonna have to eventually. You're gonna come face to face with the JMU Dukes, and what are you gonna do? What's John Shire gonna do? I mean. You're right. You. You're right. Who they, am I kidding? Duke's not going to be there. We're going to be there, but Duke won't because John Shire's going to choke. I don't necessarily want to be like a Duke scheduling defender, but like it's not like they avoid some some games out of conference. Like they play in that series where they're playing. Oh, State you're going to tell me? Oh, November tenth. November tenth. They're playing Arizona. Please. And they do go play people at. Like they they do play people in non conference. You can afford to do that in college basketball. Like they do they do that. Like I don't want to be the one that's defending Duke. Like 
screw them. I hate them. But like they they play people. Well, I tell you what, Michigan State played people. They just didn't think they were. They now didn't they know. know. They didn't know. And Purdue, I got news for Purdue. Good thing they scheduled a cupcake like the Sanford Bulldogs because they're about to get run. I can't wait. I hope we play Purdue. I don't think we play another good team the rest of the year. Like, you and I say good team. as in I top just 25. Looked, you don't play another good team. We don't play another top tournament. 25 team. Yeah. Well, we'll get them yeah, in the tournament. Spoiler yeah. alert. You're, we're going to be there. I wish we could say Michigan State's going to be there, but it doesn't look like it. You can get them. <laughs> I'm just going to be, I'm going to turn into that annoying JMU fan. That's what I'm going to do. So my high school football note that I wanted to hold on to until the D block, hopefully everybody stuck with us till now through our distracted podcast recording. Uh, Kate Cook Cash, Riverheads. We've talked him up. I've really talked him up being a Riverheads alum, just really excited about the talent that he's brought to the field. He's been standout since a freshman. He just did stuff, understanding where he needed to be on a football field to make big plays continually i think there's a lot of value in that and uh a second d1 school has recognized that and uh, it's not one of my favorites but uva did offer Caden cook cash a d1 scholarship i am incredibly excited for him and happy i think that also might spark more of those coming in but i've also known that uva has been a place that he's been pretty interested he's gone to camps he's he's i i in my mind i've accepted that he's going to go there it's going to test how, what kind of fan I am, because I will be rooting for Caden Cash. I want him to be as successful as he can with whatever he does, particularly on the football field. Um, but anywhere in life, I want him to be successful. And so I was really excited to see that offer come in for him. I know that's something he wanted. Uh, I do hope more flood in because I think he's deserving of that. I would wake up some of our, I mean, JMU should be offering this kid. I just, I just don't understand why it's not happening. Um, but I know there was interest with like coastal Carolina. I've heard rumors of and stuff like that. I, I think some of those will start coming in now. So I'm really happy for him for having that kind of opportunity to play at that level. I think he is a difference maker kind of player, um, on and off the field. So I think any school would be really, uh, happy to have him. He's a good student, a good hard worker. I know this firsthand for what he's done at Riverhead. So, uh, you know, people always expect these superstars to go to the next level and play immediately. And I, and, you know, I don't know if Ken Cook Cash is set up to where as a freshman, he's going to be some kind of star, but I think in the long run, he's going to be, make that program better. And I do think he'll have his opportunities because he'll, he'll earn his way into those spots. So um excited for what can be ahead of him. And I'm really excited of a power five D one offer coming for him. And yeah, I hope there's more. So I know you're not going to argue with what I just said. So. No, um, I, you know, obviously I'm wish him the best in his college career, wherever he ends up, um, would prefer it's not at UVA. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would prefer it. I just, I have, I have accepted that's just probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I've known people that have gone to UVA and we've still, I've still rooted for them individually while rooting for the team's failure. I will probably be doing the same thing here um it's gonna be hard for him to be an all-american and uh <laughs> then be terrible uh but i mean that's no i mean eric green was acc player of the year on a virginia tech team that literally beat one that's, team that's true i i uh yeah i i don't want to i'm not trying to imply that kind of like that's the expectation for him i i i just think any program that he goes to he's going to be a, a bright spot for that program so 
I would love for there to be a team that I don't hate as much as UVA for him to go do that for. But if it's there, then I, I expect him to still bring that same heat. So, yeah, I think he, uh, has as good of a chance as any. Yes. All right. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to the Xports podcast this week. Make sure you're telling your friends that we're covering local sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. Uh, make sure you're following us at Yaxports Pod, and you'll see us post weekly on social media. If Leland remembers, I think that was the first week that I completely forgot. After even being reminded, I still forgot. It's been that kind of week. But this week I won't. But make sure so you're not waiting on a tweet from me that you are subscribed on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. And again, I started by saying to tell your friends, tell your friends. We're talking about this stuff every week. It's playoff time. A lot of a lot of fun stuff each and every week. This week, we kind of talked about the whole state. We're going to zero in on our teams as we get deeper into the playoffs. And uh, we ex- we're really hoping we have multiple teams to talk about next week. I, I, I think it's very reasonable to expect that. So we will be next week, be back next week to talk about those games and other stuff and hopefully Fort Defiance winning some more volleyball games. And until then, we'll talk to you next week. I got one more thing before we say it. Yeah, I just shameless plug again. I mentioned my busy season. Uh, This is going to go up Monday night just because I literally will not have time the rest of the week. Good. Um, So Tuesday night, if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, women's VCU basketball opens up against Hofstra. That's on ESPN plus at 7 p.m. You can catch me calling play by play with their season opener on Tuesday night and then Wednesday at 7 p.m. You can catch the VCU men's soccer team in the A-10 semifinals against the Davidson Wildcats. Winner will plays on Sunday in the A-10 men's soccer championship. Should VCU win, they will be hosting. Should Davidson win, uh, I think that matters then who wins the other game if they get to host or not. But uh, that's my shameless plug. Leland uh, will be Friday night. Uh, I think it's Riverheads-Madison. Yeah, Riverheads-Madison, I think... uh... Yep, that's where we're going to be. That's where you can catch us this week. Uh, And as Leland said, folks, make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts. So in case Leland forgets to share it or I forget to post it, uh, when it finally does (laughs) get posted. you need to post it. You're going to need to post it. That's true. You won't find it if I don't (laughs) post it. Uh, But you know what? Whatever. Uh, At least when I do post it, you'll know. You'll get a notification. Uh, It'll tell you, hey, Joe did his job. Um, And it's time to listen to the podcast. So Usually we don't do live updates of a basketball game that you're not watching as we're just talking in an audio (laughs) medium only. Uh, So usually it's not that chaotic. Uh, But until then, folks, uh, as Leland said, have a great week.